0: All right. It's been uh, way too long since I've done this. I um, haven't posted in a while, but uh, I'm going to get back in the swing of things here. Starting off on a rainy day here in Northern California, we're going to uh, dive into what is hopefully the first of a series of our uh, of our trip to Europe and my trip to Europe. Um, as for my uh, 40th birthday. We'll uh, go ahead and uh, get this one started. Traveler. So yeah, so this is uh, hopefully the first in uh, in a series. Um, we'll be getting different locations. We went to Europe. We went, to, I went all over Europe uh, this fall into uh, France and Belgium, uh, the Netherlands. I was in Italy for a little bit, um, a very brief bit. Um, rode the train through Austria into Germany and ended up in the uh, Czech Republic, and um, it was just a, an amazing adventure. But it all started with. Um, uh, getting into Europe itself. Um, I started with, you know, actually started five years ago. My uh, buddies and I um, decided, actually, one good friend, my friend Kevin, who's been on, on the podcast before, decided that for our 40th birthday, we wanted to go to um, Oktoberfest in Germany, the, you know, motherland of, uh, of um, beer paradise, I guess is the way to Put it. Um, so we wanted to go there. We knew we wanted to do it for our 40th birthday, and we started the planning probably five years ago, or at least I started the planning five years ago. I'm sure um, my wife would say I overplanned, but yeah, I started about uh, five years ago, and um, it all started with uh, getting the, you know, the right credit card for miles because I knew I didn't want to um, spend a lot of money on it, um, a lot of cash anyways, and so um, just doing my regular spending during the year. I uh, would use the uh, Chase United credit card and uh, rack up those miles and, and, you know, save them. And did, I don't think I ever used it for anything other than this Europe trip. Now I think about it, but you saved them up and I was able to book a flight, um, business class, both ways coming, coming and going. Um, and, um, it all started with, uh, getting to Paris and I had to get to Paris and, um, Part of that uh, journey was, you know what? I'm going to be in Paris. I need to go to Disneyland Paris. Disneyland's one of my favorite places to go with the kids and then um, with my cousins and my my adult, adult cousins and my uh, adult brother. And so I was like, hey, let's go check out Disneyland Paris. Um, and it just so happened because of the way I booked the flight and what flight was available and how the um, schedule worked um, using miles, I was there probably... I guess I was about 72 hours earlier than my friend Kevin and his wife and my wife were coming in to Paris because they were going to leave two days later on a flight, which we, we paid for. That was a, um, a purchase flight, not a uh, um, mileage flight. And I think they flew, so I flew United. And I think I want to say they flew Aer Lingus. So they flew Aer Lingus to Dublin and then into Paris. I myself flew on an epic journey from San Francisco in actually no take that back I flew from Sacramento into Chicago and then from Chicago I went to Switzerland into uh, um, Zurich and then from Zurich into my final destination which was Paris and that took me it took I want to say 14 hours to do that total trip um that one wasn't that one wasn't too bad coming home was kind of a bear and we'll probably talk about that um On a later podcast but the the traveling was exciting it was um, quite an interesting um, um, adventure for somebody who has never been to Europe this is my first trip Um, but I took all the skills of traveling around this country in the United States and Mexico and I'd been to Canada earlier in the year. Um, I took all that, and it was not as nerve-wracking as you would think it would be. Um, you know, traveling into, you know, you're into Western Europe is very easy. Um, there was no no hassle at customs. Um, in this particular case, the way the European Union currently operates for travel, if you're a um, United States citizen, you can go into the European travel zone, check in. You know, there's there's no. It's just like kind of like going into Mexico or Canada, they stamp your passport. Um, they make sure you're there for holidays and not business. Um, you know, they want to know when, you know, when you're there, when you're leaving, what your big plans are, you know, once I said, Oktoberfest, um, especially in Switzerland, um, where they, you know, speak German, it was, um, you know, okay, I, I know what you're doing. It's not a, not a big deal. Uh, just go ahead and go ahead and uh, head on in and there, you know I was there with a lot of other tourists too so it wasn't wasn't a wasn't a big deal the um, I will say one thing I was not a big fan of the Chicago airport that was that was probably the biggest hassle about getting into um, Europe was trying to navigate Chicago it was confusing um, there wasn't a lot of people around to help you their um, people mover has been under construction apparently for over a year maybe two years <coughs> a little cough there but it's it, it. I got there. I, I got there. So, the the plan was to take take a business class flight from the United States to Paris, and during that flight, I was going to rest. I was going to be well rested, ready to go. I wasn't, you know, flying coach where you're uncomfortable. I was in, you know, lay flat seat the the whole nine. But of course. I didn't sleep a wink. I didn't rest at all. And so when I landed in Paris, I was just so excited to be in Paris, uh, you know, I I stayed up. Um, The Charles de Gaulle airport is where I flew into. Um, I know there's a a second airport in there. Um, I don't know anything about that one, but I can't tell you Charles de Gaulle was fairly easy to navigate. Um, It was, um, you know, a major airport. There were signs in both French and English to to help you out. Um, The cool part about Charles de Gaulle was the there's a main, main train hub there. So if you are going to Disneyland Paris, it is very easy to find the connecting train. Well, I should say it's very easy to find the connecting train station to Disneyland Paris. Now, to find the actual train itself to get to the parks was a little bit of a challenge. When I was there, the train station was packed. The lines for train tickets were very long. And there was not, it was not as, um, it was not as recognizable of what you needed to do. Now, I will say there are two types, actually there's three types of trains or back up a little bit. There are two types of local trains in Paris. There's the Metro, which is the city proper um, uh, train, and then there's the RER. Now the RER will go to Disneyland Paris from Charles de Gaulle Airport. The RER will also go into um, the main city uh, downtown Paris. The other train that's available to get to Disneyland Paris is the TGV. I don't have any idea what that stands for. I'm sure I could look it up, but just know it's called the TGV. Now, the TGV is the high-speed rail. It's the bullet trains that they have. The difference between the two is the RER will get you to Disneyland Paris, in, in, into town, um, the town of Chessy. It'll get, I'm probably saying that wrong, but that's how it's spelled, C-H-E-S-S-Y. It'll get you into town in about 30 to 40 minutes. My experience coming back from, because I, I took the RER from Chessie into town, it took about 40 minutes. Now, I, of course, being the wide-eyed newbie of Europe and wanted to experience the high-speed rail, I wanted to take the high-speed rail to Disneyland Paris. So I took the TGV. Now, the TGV is a 10-minute train ride. That's how fast it goes. You know, the, the the local train takes you 40 minutes, but you can take the TGV, and it takes 10 minutes from Charles de Gaulle Airport to the Disneyland Paris stop in Chessie, France, which for some reason is completely eluding me what the name of the station is. but You can look it up. It, it's it's all, all over the web. It's right there. So, getting tickets to the TGV was not easy to figure out. And I'm going to give you a tip here. It's this is the part where I wish I had known this before I had um, gotten out of the uh, airport and into the train station because it would have saved me an hour. Because the TGV tends to leave, as I recall, once an hour. I don't remember if it's the top of the hour or the half hour or the quarter. I, I don't I remember. You have to look it up. But it left every hour. And I spent a good 20 to 30 minutes wandering around the train station trying to figure it out you know, kind of being the, the the dumb male, I guess, not wanting directions and trying to figure it out himself because I, I had done so much research. Oh, yeah, you just buy the ticket at the, at the ticket booth. No problem. Well, there are so many different ticket booths, and then you can see there are lines for some of them, and there are lines that don't go to any of them. So it's a little intimidating to go, how come nobody's standing in this line and nobody's getting tickets out of this machine? And... You know, it takes a little while to realize, oh, this is probably a commuter box. It, it just it just wasn't the right one. It wasn't the right one. I knew it wasn't the right one. Eventually, I go out to the platform and find a, find a person who speaks English, um, semi-English, and I ask, how do I get TGV tickets? And it took a little while. Turns out, you need to go up to the counter. You have to go up to the counter and speak to somebody and get the TGV tickets. Um, I want to say it was about 30 euros. It wasn't... It was not. Um, I think it was twenty six euros. When I think about it, twenty six euros. And I think, right now, currently, the euros euro to dollar ratio is. And it'll always change, but right now, here in um, you know December of twenty nineteen, it's about a dollar ten per euro. And the way my buddy Kevin described it is, just think of it as when you're purchasing something, especially if you're from California, if you purchase something for a dollar. It generally costs you a dollar ten because of tax. Well, in Europe, all the tax stuff is included in the price. So you're basically th- think of it as if it costs a dollar, you're you're basically paying. Oh, okay, this is a regular dollar, uh, U.S. dollar plus tax. That's what the uh, th- that's the conversion basically, is the way to think about it. So it costs about thirty dollars, whatever, to take the high speed rail. Um, you know, and that and. Prices change. Prices fluctuate based on demand based. It's just like an airline ticket. And did I pay too much? Probably. But I'd been traveling all day, you know, all night. I wanted to get that ticket. And of course, I had just missed the train. So I had an hour to kill. You know, my grand plan of, <laughs> of taking, of, of getting there and, you know, getting rested and, and um, being Um, in Chassis, France, getting ready to go to Disneyland Paris because I was going to go that day. That was the plan. Rest, take the high speed rail. Don't waste any time. Get into the park, get the lay of the land, go back to my Airbnb and, you know, relax was kind of foiled because I missed the train, which is not uncommon in, uh, when you're traveling around Europe, but there's generally another train, you know, um, in and out of places. And and you can generally do that. Sometimes it takes a whole day if you miss the train, but is what it is. So I missed the train and it ended up being okay. Um, now for me, I pack very light. Now this, this trip to Europe taught me that I can pack extremely light. I had one carry on it was a hard, it's a hard-sided carry-on bag that I got from Costco um, and it, it is a bag that's designed to not only go in the overhead bin but it can also fit under the seat of an airplane so you can do it either way it was actually very convenient to have when I'm traveling on the train it was very convenient to have when I was um, you know we ended up on a bus at one point but it was a good bag I took that and then a 30 liter backpack that was um, uh, lightweight. It was made out of like uh, parachute material something I found found on Amazon Um, it was it was very good and and I I loved it. It was um, you could sort of stuff stuff in there and it was you know flexible Um, I have a um, a, a North Face backpack which I love Um, but it's like a computer bag it has no flexibility to it. It's got pockets for like a book for your notebook, for your passport and so on and so forth, but it's not real conducive to packing clothing in it. So the hard sided suitcase and the backpack were my main two things. And that's, that's all I had that that's all I needed. Um, it made things really easy to navigate throughout the, the airports and through the, um, train stations. I always had my bags with me. Um, And in addition, there was peace of mind for me. I had a lot of peace of mind knowing, especially on the flights through Europe, because I took, you know, I rode on one, two, three, three airplanes on the way there. One from Sacramento to Chicago, one from Chicago to Zurich, one from Zurich to Paris. Never had to worry about them losing my bags because I had them with me the entire time. And it was very nice. It was very good to have. Um, big shout out to, um, one of the, um, online resources I used, Mark Walter. Um, you can find him on YouTube, Walter's world. Um, his, he and his wife are real big on packing light and they, you know, it was, it was a, it was good. It was a good thing that I did that. So having my bags with me, having just flown probably for 14, 15 hours, Waiting for a train for an hour, I had to figure out what I was going to do. Now, one of the one of the problems this was the first time I ran into this problem was restrooms are hard, sometimes hard to find in, in Europe. Ones that, especially when I just landed in the country, I had no Europe Euro, um, Euro coins on me, which a lot of the public restrooms need to have at, at the airports and train stations. That way, you can um, you, they have attendants that that um, that take care of the restrooms, which so actually may, kept them pretty clean. So I had to figure this out. Luckily, at Charles de Gaulle airport, there is a hotel right above the train station. Now, what I should do is I should look it up since I'm sitting right here in front of my computer. Um, It it was very, very convenient to have that hotel there because it also had a bar. So I had some place to hang out, put my bags down. I got myself my first European beer. Um... It was as you can hear me typing. Um, it was hard to hard to describe. It's a Marriott. That's what it is. It's a Marriott. Is it a Marriott? I don't know. I forget. I'll have to, I'll have to figure it out later. Oh, maybe it is a Sheridan. I'm just gonna throw them all out there. Anyway, there is a Sheridan. Oh, yep, it's the Sheridan. Okay, because it's right by the TGV. There it is. Okay, so yeah, it's a Sheridan. So I went into the to, into the um, into the bar there. You know, they didn't have any problems with me with my bag and whatever. Um, got myself a beer. My first, I guess you could call it my first beer on European soil, because I did have um, on. Uh, I flew Swiss Air from Chicago to Zurich. And I did have some Swiss beer while I was on the airplane, but that that doesn't count. I don't don't think that counts. My first beer in Paris was uh, 1664, or 1684, I think is what they call it. It's the local Paris beer, or France, you'll find it all over the place um, in Paris. And it was just nice. It was my first time sitting there. And while I'm sitting there, of all things, as I'm waiting for my my train to get here, um, they changed kegs on something and they put in a belgian beer and they were just sort of you know running it running the uh beer through the tap and they were pouring in the glass and the um manager took a little t- took a little you know taste in a little glass and then um one of the other guys took it a little taste and they poured a full glass just to see how it looked in these uh special glasses they had for it from obviously from the brewery and he poured it looked at it looked at me he said, "Hey, do you want this uh, no charge so I ended up getting, of all things, on my my first stop in Europe, at the airport, our airport slash train station at the Sheridan, I got a free beer on my trip to uh, um, on my beginnings to um, Octoberfest. So that that worked out. <laughs> that worked out perfectly. So so that w- that was kind of nice. So I ended up um, uh, hanging out there for a little bit, left in plenty of time to catch my. Uh, um, TGV train my high speed train got on my high speed train and it was no joke I mean I didn't even take it it was, it was packed it was a lot of people on that train I didn't even because, because I packed light it it was really really easy for me to to, to navigate that train because it was so busy and I was able to get on the train and it was 10 minutes it was barely 10 minutes I was on I was off and next thing you know I'm in Chessie France now, where I got off on the TGV was not the st- train station near my Airbnb. Now, my my stupid brain, my craziness of adventure, and having uh, always liking to walk places, thought I could walk to my Airbnb. But right away, as soon as I leave, because because the TGV drops you off right at Disneyland Paris, it drops you off like I could see where to go, where the entrance was, not not to the park itself, but to the grounds, to the Disney grounds. I could see it from the from the from the um, train station. And I thought, okay, I can walk back to the main town and go to my Airbnb. No problem. Immediately, as soon as I as soon as I start leaving the area, I go, you know, what? this is way too far. I can see it from here. This is not going to work. And started not panicking, but started going, okay, how am I going to do this? Started, you know, tried to get it, tried to get an Uber. That didn't work. It was nobody would <laughs> pick me up. It, nobody would accept my um, request. And I could see there were cars hanging out. And so well, that's no good. So eventually, you know, having been traveling for so long, I was tired. I had to use the use the bathroom. I was like, oh, I'll just take a take a taxi." So I ended up taking a taxi that cost me probably fifteen euros, and they dropped me off in front of in front of the pl- my place I was at. It was not the most conspicuous door that I could find, but I found it. I was able to to to, to quote unquote check in. Um, I get into my room. It's the as my wife would call it the cutest little apartment. It was a single studio with a little um, little balcony that I could sit out on and uh, look look at look down the main street. Now it was nothing nothing really nice to look at but it still was nice to be like, well I can sit, I'm sitting on a balcony in Paris or in, in France. It wasn't Chessy. It wasn't actually in Paris. But you know, I had everything I needed and you know, heard a knock at the door, turned around and opened the door and it's the, my host. Apparently my host um, lives nearby and he wanted to show me everything and he was super friendly and um, as usual my um practicing of french got me in trouble because he thought i spoke more french than i did <laughs> so it took a little bit of um a little bit of time for him to realize i didn't know as much french as i had um you know practiced or or as what he thought but he he showed me everything and and showed me how the bed worked and because it was one of these you know you, there i found those a lot there's actually quite a few of them in the places we were at but there were those hide-a-beds where it's a sofa, but then you pull out and pull out the uh, the bottom and it's got all this stuff inside. But anyways, it was comfortable for what I needed. It was exactly what I needed because um, Katie and Kevin were going to be coming into town in two days. And I was going to be at Disneyland Paris that day. And I was excited and I, you know, un- quote-unquote unpacked. Now, as part of my, my travel system, I had my travel backpack. And then I had my day pack. Now the day pack I bought, I bought that on Amazon. Um I again I don't I don't have the name. I should have all the stuff written down, but I don't. Um it's a fold into itself backpack. And it it just all it is is like, again, it's this really thin um fabric material. It's not meant for security, it's not meant for your passports and all that stuff. It's just meant for put a jacket, put your hat. Maybe put a pair of sunglasses in it or whatever, but it's just—it's not—it's just meant for almost like a purse. I guess that's a better way to put it. It's almost like your purse, you know, if you wanted to take that. And so I took that, put my um, my notebook, my pen, my um, um, other stuff in there, and um, you know, I was ready to go, and I was out the door. And this is where I realized. <laughs> this is where I realized. As soon as I got on the RER to go to Disneyland Paris, because the train station was probably a block from my Airbnb and Chessie, um, I realized I didn't have to take a taxi. All I had to do was go back into the train station, go back one stop on the RER, and I would have been there. So instead of paying one euro to take the RER, I paid 15 to get a cab. Lesson learned on that one. Big lesson learned on that one. But hey. Now I know. Next time I go. Chessy France is the downtown area. I guess you could call it downtown. It was very, it was very nice. It was very it was humble. It had a couple of um, restaurants. It had a hamburger place, which ironically, for some reason, closed at 5 o'clock. I, t- I tried to go there for an early dinner, and they were closed. So it's obviously a lunch place. Um, I'm not entirely sure what, other than... Disneyland in the area I don't know what else they have but it seems like it's a destination for people to work in offices I don't know if it's technology or if it's marketing I have no idea what 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 it is but they definitely had a lot of lunch spots a lot of place for lunch I also learned um, while I was there in Chessie that the bakery there doesn't open real early um, I happened to get up at, I think, 4 o'clock. Um, and I, I can do a little bit more. Uh, I'll explain that a little bit more later. But I ended up getting up at 4 o'clock um, and doing a um, FaceTime call with the family. Um, and the bakery wasn't open. It wasn't open at 5. It didn't open till 6.30. Which, you know, that's, that's actually kind of late. Later I would learn that in Paris proper, the bakeries generally don't open till 7 or 8. But this happened to be a commute town, and so they were, you know, right by the train station. So they opened early for people, and it was probably the most delicious croissant I've ever had. I mean, it was incredible. I had a croissant, an espresso, and I just sat there and sipped my espresso and had my croissant, and it was it was quite heavenly. It was great. I really I really enjoyed that. But yeah, it, like I said, Jesse Jesse has its downtown. It has uh, a couple bars that I that I went to had a couple beers at um, after after Disneyland, but. We'll just dive right into Disneyland right here. So, as everything drops on me here. (coughs) Excuse me. Anyway, so Disneyland. So, when you get off the train station, there there is very large walkways. There are two parks at this particular location at Disneyland Paris. What used to be called Euro Disney. Um... There is Walt Disney Studios, which is what I would call California Adventure Light. Or actually, California Adventure um, Extremely Light. And you know MGM Studios, or not MGM Studios, but it used to be MGM Studios, which is now Disney's Hollywood Studios at Florida Light. It's, it's, it's just like those two parks, but very small. Um, I ended up that first day, I went to Disneyland Paris proper the, the, what would be the Magic Kingdom I bought a three day pass the three day pass was and that was for both parks the three day pass I believe was two hundred and ten euros if I recall it was extremely affordable compared to what you would pay at Disney World or Disneyland I was shocked at how cheap it was and it wasn't until later that I figured out why <laughs> So, Disneyland Paris is beautiful. I, I will I will say that 100%. The grounds were spectacular. It definitely has that uh, European feel to it. The gardens were gorgeous. The layout is exciting, a little bit different. Um, the entrance to the Magic Kingdom, what I'll, what I'll call the Magic Kingdom Park, Disneyland, um, is actually under the Disneyland Hotel. Now the Disneyland Hotel is like a, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost it looks very European, very ornate, um, just it just it's gorgeous. I, I love the way it was laid out. But you have to walk under the Disneyland Hotel to get there to get to the park. And once you get into Disneyland Paris, it's quite clear that this is a very large acreage park. There, it's very expansive nothing really butts up against each other not like Disneyland in Anaheim uh, Disneyland in California you know, they use every square inch for something and they hide stuff and they do things this is much different this is such a large park or it's a it's, a, it's an interesting way for it, it to look not an interesting way for it to look but it's, it's just a large park that when you go down Main Street you can go into one of the shops on either side and it'll go through to a walking arcade on the other side. So there's actually we, what would normally be uh, backstage at Disneyland Anaheim is a place where you can walk, and there's a couple other shops, and it's a little place to escape from the heat or the rain or, or the winter or whatever. Uh, but it's a nice little place with benches and things like that. But it's very expansive. The other thing that jumps out at you when you first walk into um, Disneyland is... How large the castle is. The Disney Castle at Disneyland Paris is extremely large. It has you can walk upstairs where it's got stories. You can go into the dungeon, which has a animatronic dragon in it, which was very impressive. Um, and it's it's worth it. I mean, it's just it's just it's so well done. The one thing I did not like about it is when you walk through over the bridge there is a store in the main castle. Now I think they could kind of utilize this you know for, for something better other than, you know, retail, but hey, it is what it is. Um, but it was definitely um, a a large larger park. Now it's got all your all your classic rides on it sort of with the, with a nice little twist, right? They've got um, Phantom Manor, which is the Haunted Mansion, which is very impressive. It's a longer ride, more ornate, more um, more twists and turns, and a little extra at the end. I don't want to give it away. I'm sure you can go on, on YouTube and see it, but, um, but I'll just tell you. It, you, go d- you go down underground in the cemetery. So you don't just stay on top of the cemetery, but you go underground to see what the ghosts are doing underground. So that was really cool. Pirates is a longer ride um pirates has um um a few more things to it that were fun it's in french and english which is always an interesting twist um but it's uh really good what's going on babe i'm gonna have to take a quick time out here as <laughs> i got a child sitting here over my shoulder hold on a second so yeah so i had to uh, take a quick time out to um turn on uh disney plus <laughs> for for a uh for my daughter, she uh, was uh, uh, she's been homesick today. So this, which afforded me the chance to do this. Um, so anyway, so yeah, the, the, the grounds of um, of Disneyland Paris are are amazing. The rides are a little bit different. Um, I will say that the overall um, attractions of the park are less than you would expect at Disneyland Anaheim. And less than the Florida Park, um, but it's a little bit different. Their their sense of adventure in Disneyland Paris is much higher, I guess. There's a lot more like rope bridges and caves to explore, and a lot of the pirate stuff. Frontierland is amazing. Um, the things that are in Frontierland are really cool. Um, the Wild West. Um, I don't know if that's just something that Europeans really enjoy. Um, I haven't done a survey or anything like that, but it's very apparent um, that that is a very big theme. Um, Later I'll talk about Disney Village, and in Disney Village there is a Wild West show, Mickey-themed show, which I I didn't go see, but I was um, um, quite uh, amazed with. Um, But anyways, um, so yeah, Disneyland Paris overall is what well we're seeing i would say that a hundred percent um going in there it's still disneyland it's still got the magic at disneyland you can go buy beer at disneyland which is amazing um i didn't see the champagne carts i've i've heard of them i did not see one while i was there i don't know if it was the wrong time of day or 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 what i was doing but it was definitely different um I definitely wasn't there um As I picture how I walked around the park itself, um, the um, hyperspace mountain is completely different than anything you've ever ridden in the United States. Completely different. It goes upside down. It's more like the rock and roller coaster at um, uh, Hollywood Studios in Florida. Um, It has an upside down portion of it. It's still Star Wars themed. It still was very um, uh, fast. It still had um, that element of dark darkness to it. It definitely had that, um, and it was fun. It was it was actually a lot of fun. Um, you you can it the line was not long at all. And that was another thing about the park overall. It wasn't really crowded. And again, I, I went on a weekday. I, I flew I flew out on a Tuesday, landed Wednesday in Europe. It was there a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And it wasn't crowded at all when I was there. Um, they do parades a little differently there. They they have um, um, you generally don't, you don't line the streets. You can, but there's a main stage where they do a dance and music and all this stuff. And then they they use the parade part to march the characters out. Um, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of differences and things that, that go on at uh, um, at, uh, at Disneyland Paris. The other park, um, Disney Studios. I will say it's small. Um, It's very, very small. You can probably do that entire park in half a day. Um, There's not many attractions. When I was there, they had um, what would be their version of the um, Epcot Food and Wine Festival, Um, which I didn't partake in because, I mean, I wasn't going to have Belgian beer at Disneyland Paris because I was going to Belgium in a few days. I wasn't gonna eat food that I was gonna have authentically in a couple days. So I, I really didn't partake in that. But it's something that was there when I was there. Um and I flew out mid September. Um, you know, I was there for my nice. whole Europe trip was three weeks, so I was I started out um probably the last two weeks of September and rolled into October. Um but Anyways, I I, I didn't did want to partake in the the food and wine festival because I knew I was going to be doing European stuff. Anyways, um, the cool thing about this about the Hollywood Studios or the Dis, uh, Walt Disney Studios, is what it's called, um, was they still have one of those uh, studio tours. So you get on the tram and you roll through quote unquote the back lot. Now it's not a real back lot. Clearly, it's not like the old. Um, Universal Studios, where you actually were on the lot, and they kind of showed you some of the cool things. They eventually turned it into a theme park, so on and so forth. This was all made up, right? Um, you, there's two main attractions to that ride. There is the um, disaster scene where there's the fire and the um, the flood, and you know the the truck sliding towards you. All, all that all that stuff. The earth, earthquake scene is what it is. It's an earthquake. Um, so you know they put the um, uh, tram on that, and they've got it's narrated and. So on and so forth, and then the other part is they've got a scene from *Rain of Fire* where it's supposed to be a dragon inside the subway, and then it's you know blowing fire out the top, and, and you know, it's like a r- rubble-strewn street. There's not much to it, but it's still kind of fun to ride. It's 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 an, it's an old ride, and you kinda, it kind of brings back nostalgia and stuff. But it, it was it was interesting. It was fun. Um, the 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 main ride. The reason why. I wanted to go to this park was to see Ratatouille. So there's a small corner, ironically, of the park that is made up like Paris, which was packed with with people. Um, Everybody wanted to to see this part of the park, which I thought was funny, because the real Paris is 20 minutes away or 40 minutes away on the train. Uh, But that's where everybody was at. And the Ratatouille ride is phenomenal. It's a fantastic ride. Now, it's a part of this new technology that's out amongst theme parks, and I'm sure it's at, it's on different rides. And for some reason, it slipped my mind where, where else I've ridden this. Um, oh, I know where I've ridden it at uh, Disneyland's California Adventure, the the um, dancing cars. I think it's Lu- I think it's Luigi's tires or or something like that, where you're 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 not on a track. The cars that you're sitting in, the ride you're sitting in, sits on a gigantic magnetic um, or metal, metal floor and the computer does all the work. It moves you around, it twists and turns and makes it sync up, right? Have you have ridden that one at California Adventure? Well, this Ratatouille ride uses the same technology and it goes through a 3D um, large giant screen projection area it takes you through the ratatouille adventure but you're the, from the perspective of a mouse so the screens are large to to simulate that you're looking at people that are just large and of course all the the surrounding areas are you know you're, you're sitting underneath the the um oven you're sitting underneath the um uh food cart you're 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 running around underneath all this stuff and they use Smells and they use uh, sounds and they use mist and they use heat. They use all, all kinds of things to um, simulate like you're there. And it was really well done. It's really well done. Um, like I said, the cars are independent of each other, so there's no track, so you may not get the same ride twice. Um, and it was re- very well done. It's very worth going to see, and it's it's something that they are going to incorporate, as I understand. They're going to be they're building it at uh, Epcot. Supposed to be coming up soon in the uh, 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 French Pavilion, so that that's something to look forward to. But if you if you're looking for something at Disneyland Paris, that's it's a, it's you have to go ride that ride. You have to go see the Ratatouille ride. It's well worth it. Um, the other attraction that is at um, Disney Studios that is something that is not seen anymore in any other parks. It's been, it was taken out of Walt um, Disney World. Is they have the Motor Action Show. So they've got the show where they've got custom built cars and they're quote unquote making a movie and they're showing you how they jump cars and they sp- speed out and they use motorcycles and there's shooting guns and they're you know making movies and it's, it's this, this extravaganza. That's fun to watch. It was, uh, again, something out of the Blast from the Past. It's got the, all the production value of what you would expect from a stunt show. And it was well, well worth going to go see. So there are some things to see in this park. It's just it doesn't take very long to get done. Overall, between the two parks, let me put it this way. So I had an annual pass to Disneyland and uh, Walt Disney World. I had the premier pass. It just so happened that I was going to be out in Orlando for work. I was going to be in Anaheim for work. I was taking my daughter for her birthday to Disneyland. Um, I took my kids and their friend to Disneyland for uh, New Year's. I'd never been to the parks during the Christmas holidays to see what the decorations were like. So when I was in Florida for work, I decided to get the Premier Pass, which gets you into both parks or both Disneyland California and Walt Disney World Florida. All the parks, any time of the year, whatever you wanted. Um, It was quite an investment. It was quite um, uh, an adventure. I loved every minute of it. I used it utilized it i think i went to the parks at least 19 times um in that duration it more than paid for itself but i had no problems going to either park or e- either side either side of the coast right and spending a full day at any park there and um i took i think the last trip i took um not the last trip i took actually yeah the, the the last full trip i took where i was there for full days you know, I hung out with my adult cousin, I hung out with my adult brother, and we were there for, for full days, full full, full 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 two days at Disneyland and California Adventure. A full week at Disneyland and California Adventure. Um, and had no problems, enjoyed it, loved it. It was awesome. Fast forward to Disneyland Paris. I purchased the three-day, what it? what's the equivalent of a three-day Park Hopper Pass, and I only used two days of it I had gone through Hollywood Studios there's not there like I said it's a smaller park there's one other ride I didn't I didn't ride because um, the line was like 50 minutes and I wasn't gonna wait 50 minutes for it, it was uh, uh crushes turtle 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 crush ro- ride I, I didn't ride that ride um, it's kind of a spinny ride so I didn't really want to get myself sick <laughs> so I didn't I, I, I avoided it but I pretty much wandered around the park and was trying to find any nook and cranny that i might have missed and i really didn't miss anything um disneyland paris i probably could have spent a little bit more time at disneyland proper um but i didn't i did not i felt like i'd seen seen a lot of it i'd seen not all of it but i'd seen a lot of it Um, having been there solo it was a little bit different so there was no Sharing of adventures and I was and actually being there solo made things go faster um, So I could see everything I wanted to see and go through and 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 do that Um, And I felt like I really got it done in two days So the third day I ended up Not because it was the third day was the Friday and that Friday I was supposed to meet up with uh, my wife and friends In Paris proper and I was planning on spending the day at Disneyland Um, on my last day exploring, I would have had to check my bags at their, they have a courtesy bag check, which was actually very nice. Um, but I would have had to done that and I would have had to, you know, check out on my Airbnb and done all that. And I just decided, you know, it's better not to do that. So I got through both parks and the Disney village, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, I got through both parks and Disneyland village in basically two days and, it was um it was worth it it was worth it was worth seeing it definitely was worth seeing now some of that might have been just sort of my travel exhaustion or just being tired from traveling and i was like okay i need to move on i need to get a little bit more rest and i didn't uh um fully embrace that disney adventure but i was glad i did it i plan on going back um maybe for another perspective i wanted to take my daughter my daughter wants to go um and probably my son wants to go too, but I want I want to go back and I want to do it, but I I would I would caution people from thinking they're going to go to Disneyland Paris for a week. I don't think it's a full week family vacation. I think it's a place where hey, I'm going to Paris, I should go. Um, I should go to Disneyland Paris to see what it's like, but I would not plan on spending more more than three days there. Um, Like I said, the first day, if you're good at that, good at traveling, that first day, um, I ended up, um, you know, being there for probably six, six hours, six and a half hours or so and just absolutely hit a wall because I got there like at 10 a.m. or maybe it was 11. Um, I hit a wall and just couldn't hang, went to, um, went went back to my Airbnb, said, oh, I'm just going to lay down for for a little bit at about 4 p.m. and that's when I woke up at like midnight tried to go back to sleep got up at 4 a.m made the phone call so it was I was a little my body clock was a little bit off um um but I lasted yeah I lasted about six hours on that first day and and that that was enough for that first day and I did a lot in that first day at Disneyland Paris I did quite a bit um you know did my normal meandering through the main street shops and so on and so forth but I would I would think that it's it's not three days is probably plenty um, if you have if you have small children um, three days might be what you need because you need to take breaks and do those kinds of things but if you're going you know with uh, a little bit more energy and stuff I would I would say two days is probably perfect um, that third day might be like might be your cleanup day it might be the day where you know hey we're just gonna casually wander through and and sit at the cafes and spend half a day and then go back to Chessie and sort of just You know, wind down and get ready to go on to the next city we're going to, or head home, or whatever it is you're going to be doing. Um, The one thing I forgot to mention, and I and I have it right here on my list, is uh, the Disney Village. So, those who are familiar with Disney Springs in Walt Disney World, or who are familiar with Downtown Disney in Anaheim, Disney Village is the equivalent of those. Um, It has you know multiple shops. It's got the uh, you know World of Disney store. It's got, um, it's got a, a, Di- like a regular Disney store, which I thought was interesting. So it's got World of Disney, which is the parks version. And then it's got the Disney store, which is the non-parks version, which is the is regular retail store you might find at your mall. Now, obviously, there's some things that are a little bit different about each one. But I felt the World of Disney store at Disneyland Paris was tiny. Just, just kind of like, like um, sort of the theme of it's been. It's much smaller, like a lot less stuff. But like the world of Disney at Disneyland Paris was super small, the the selection of Disneyland Paris stuff I thought was not great. It took me a while to find something that I wanted. I ended up eventually getting a uh, I ended up getting a ski cap um, or a knit cap because it was cold when I was there and I needed something because I was cold. Um, so I ended up getting that. Um, but it wasn't as extensive as, say, the the World of Disney in Anaheim. I mean, that store is massive, as we all know. Um, but it was it was not it's not as big. I did very much, very much enjoy. Um, uh, they had a German restaurant there, and of course, this being an Oktoberfest um, trip, and that was the main. That's the that's the that's the main reason for this trip. I of course had to go to the my first German food was going to be at Disneyland. I couldn't resist. I just couldn't resist. Got myself a liter of beer, uh, hung out, and I actually ran into a couple of Imagineers who work at Walt Disney World who were there on vacation. And I spoke with them, and they were telling me some inside stuff, um, you know, that there are definitely some things in uh, Disneyland Paris that they, quote-unquote, couldn't get away with at uh, Walt Disney World. Nothing... Nothing to the point of, of being wrong, but just as far as like uneven surfaces, you know, obviously there's no such thing as the Americans with Disabilities Act in uh, France because it's not the United States. They have a different standard. Um, they don't have a litigant, you know, uh, litigant kind of uh, culture there. So there's there's a lot of, you know, tri- they said there's a lot of trip hazards, <laughs> which I, I definitely noticed. There was uh, definitely some things that, you know, stair, you know, staircases that just that's that's all they had was a staircase. And even though it's a newer park, um, I didn't see any any kind of uh, disabled access. And I guess that, that's something I should bring up is the you know disabled access. You might have a little bit of difficulty navigating some of the, some of the parts of the park, and other parts of the park are just fine. Um, but the the Imagineers had had definitely noticed some of the stuff. They also acknowledged, and I don't th- they weren't really. I don't know if they were they were um, not supposed to say this, or they were reluctant to say this. And I had noticed this was there were some uh, looked very. Um, I don't know how to describe it. They tried to look casual, but they were clearly not casual. <laughs> they they like they tried to look. There was this group of people there that were clearly executives of Disney properties. They were speaking English they had blueprints in their hand but they were like wearing jeans and like non-disney stuff they weren't wearing name tags i think they were trying to stay on the download to to not draw attention to themselves that they were doing something but they looked like they had some plans in their hand and what i got the gist i got was that they got some big plans for disneyland paris coming up some renovations and some things that they were going to do um you know it's an, it's, it's an interesting thing when you see these people kind of uh, you could tell that they had they had some juice in the parks um, and they were trying to try to do some stuff. But um, there might be some changes coming out there that might be worth seeing later. Um, but that was that was a nice dinner I had. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was called uh, King Ludwig's um, Restaurant. Um, there's actually two parts of it. There's a restaurant part and then there's a pub part. The pub part, because um, I think I went not have dinner like at five at six o'clock. The pub part became overflowing with people, um, reminded me a lot of uh, downtown Disney. Of people just, you know, I'm just going go to go to Disney Village and enjoy the food and drink and, and the camaraderie. Um, had a few, had, had a few, had a few beers there, and then went across this what a quote-unquote across the street to the quote-unquote sports bar um, and watched. Um, they had football. They had soccer on. Uh, football, <laughs> they had football on that we were watching, and ran into my uh, first interaction with some uh, British folk who, of course, had lots of questions about America and a lot of questions about what's going on over here and uh, things, and, and just we had a good time and uh, um, sharing things and, and, and going from there. Um, it was overall it was a good trip. Overall, it was a very good trip. Um, you know, the the big takeaways again were that. The train station can be a little bit busy. Just know that you have to go get your tickets, um, and that you're going to be getting your. The TGV drops off right at Disneyland Paris, but if you want to go, if you're going to Chessy, you got to go one stop back on the RER. Um, know th- again, know that it's the parks aren't as big as the other ones, so it's not that full one-week adventure that you're expecting, um, and know that it actually is a little bit less expensive than the uh other parks um you're gonna gonna pay a little bit less obviously it's gonna be in euros but you're gonna pay a little bit less and the the three-day park hopper was actually quite worth it um but yeah i'm excited i'm excited this um um uh this is the first of the series it's probably not the most exciting one it's the it's the one that i spent the least amount of time with um I, i did it by myself which was well worth it um but when we go into it, I'm going to talk more about um, uh, how to get there. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a podcast um, about planning this trip, about my approach to it, what my approach to it was, uh, what the priorities were, um, how the costs were, were, were mitigated, and what what, what, you know, what you wanted to do with uh, uh, quality versus uh, cost and price. Um, we're going to discuss, uh, amongst other things, we're going to do every city that we went to, I'm going to get Kevin in here. We're going to discuss it. Um, and we're, we're going to go from there. Um, uh, hope you've, uh, enjoyed it and learned a little bit of something. I don't have all the answers to everything, but I hope you, uh, enjoyed a little bit of it. And, uh, at this point I'm going to have, uh, Claire take it away and I, I hope to help you, uh, tune in for the, uh, the next couple of, uh, podcasts that we get out there. Thanks a lot. And, uh, don't forget, happy travel. Goodbye, happy travel.